We, uh, our church, uh, we worship in a historic Baptist church, uh, that back in the seventies was bought by Seventh Day Adventist church. Uh, but it's got this huge pulpit that I never preach behind. I I often mock the pulpit, you know, so, uh, I'm kind of one of these guys, you know, uh, but I'm so happy to be with you. Um, I'm thankful for the Lord to allow me to come and speak, uh, to you, um, I, I always, uh, it, it's, it always amazes me, um, the way that, uh, the places that God puts me, um, if you knew where I came from, you would be amazed as well. <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I was raised, uh, by a single mom. I didn't grow up in urban poverty, uh, like a lot of the people that I minister to and, and, and live with, uh, but, um, but I grew up in, in more rural poverty, um, and you know, a broken mess nonetheless. And, uh, the Lord rescued me out of that, uh, basically kind of by football, you know, I was a big white guy who couldn't jump, but I could push people. And so, uh, so there was a place for me on the football field and, uh, I was able to get a scholarship, uh, to go to the university of Georgia. I was first person uh, in my family to go to college. And, uh, and it was there after a, a, a pretty long road of, uh, coming to the end of myself and thinking, wow, there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. You know, although a lot of my dreams have come true. Uh, man, there's just got to be more. And, you know, for me, it wasn't a sense of hopelessness in, uh, that I was ready to do something crazy, but it was in, it was more of a sense of hopefulness that there's got to be more. And, uh, about that same time, the Lord put a man in my life, uh, who not only talked to me about the good news of Jesus, but he lived it out in front of me. And uh, I don't know if you come from a a religious culture like I did in the South, but that's what I needed. Uh, I I didn't need to be talked to. I needed to see somebody's life. And uh, and the Lord used that to uh, really rescue me. And, uh, and so I'm married to a girl from Seattle, Washington. Uh, although she is white, we have a major cross-cultural marriage. <laughs> um, I could have easily married a, a, a Southern African American lady and had so much more in common. Um, but, uh, but we've, uh, we've been married for about 20 years and we've made it work. And, uh, she is the love of my life. Uh, she wishes that she could be here with us this weekend, but, uh, we have five children, um, from a junior in high school all the way down to a, uh, second grader. And so, uh, they're playing football games and soccer and all that kind of stuff this weekend. And so, uh, so they couldn't be here with us, but, um, but I'm excited to be with you this weekend. I, you know, we, um, I, I, I think like when I became a Christian, uh, I started down this journey, of trying to figure out relationships, you know, and trying to figure out life. And, and a big part of what I realized uh, that I've come to realize that life is, is about love. It, it's about how to, how to be a lover, you know? Um, you know, that's the one thing that's, that's what God calls us to do and to be is to be lovers um, and to be amazing lovers to just as we have been loved with an amazing love. So are we to love others with that same amazing love. And, and so my hope is, is that this weekend that we can go down this journey together and, and learn about what it means, uh, to be amazing lovers. Uh, I, I really hope that, that we can go down that way. Will you go to, will you go there with me? All right, let's, let's do that. And I think we should pray. 
So let, let me uh, begin by, by praying and asking the Lord to bless our time. Lord Jesus, we are thankful that you have called us to this place. Here we are. Father, you know where we're all coming from. You know all of our stories. Lord, you know our struggles. You know our sufferings. You know where we tend to blow it time and time again. And yet, Lord, you welcome us to come to you. You invite us to come to you. And so, Lord, I pray that this weekend that you would visit us in a very special way. Lord, we recognize that you say there's no place we can go that you're not there. If we go to the highest of heights or the deepest depths of the sea, that your presence is there with us. But we also recognize, Lord, that there are particular times when you come in particular and specific ways into our lives and dwell in our midst. And we would ask, Lord, that this weekend you would rend the heavens and you would come down and you would be in our midst. Lord, we dedicate this time to you. We long to learn what it means to to really live and to really love. We pray that you would do this in the name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen, 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 amen. Well, if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think also uh, there may be a, uh, in the the little... um, what, what, what is that called? Like the, the retreat paper thing, this thing right here. Uh, there's actually an outline for you guys in there. And so if you like, if you're a note taker, then you can do that. If you're not, then uh, that's cool as well. Uh, but First Corinthians chapter 13. And today what we're going to do, or this morning we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. And then later this evening we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. And then we're going to finish up the chapter on Sunday morning. Um, so today we're just going to look at verses 1 through 3. And so let me begin by reading this, this text to you. Uh, This may be one of the most popular pieces of scripture in all of the Bible. Um, You know, where do you you read this chapter? Does anybody know? Weddings. Every single time. Weddings, right? And so uh, so you may may see this in a wedding. Uh, You may have like a little crochet thing from, you you know, needlepoint (laughs) that, that your auntie made for you or something, you know. Put it on a pillowcase or something like that. But, uh, but you've probably heard this before, but let me read verses 1 through 3. Uh, Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love... I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Okay, I want to ask you a question. I want you to really think about it this morning. Is what do you want to be known for? When you, when you think about your life, what do you want to be known for? 
Like, what is it that you would like to be said that is true of you? Uh, what is it that you would hope that your neighbors would know about you? Uh, the people you work with, uh, the people you go to school with, your, your family. What is it that at the end of the day, at the end of your life, maybe even on your tombstone, what would they put? If they, what, what is it that you would like to be known for? Well, I think what Paul would say that, that if it's not love then it's nothing. There was a movie that came out um, called uh, The The Big Year. I don't don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, It was um, uh, uh, Owen Wilson, uh, Jack Black, Stephen Martin. And it was a movie, it was kind of a, you know, it was seriously casted, but it was... uh, it, it was kind of a, a silly movie. Uh, it was it was a movie. You know, it was a movie about birding. I don't. Do y'all know what birders are? I may, I pray I don't offend anybody in here that might be a birder. But I, I, I guess there are these people who dedicate their lives and money and resources and all to to go around trying to find birds. You know, and. Um, and, and and actually, in the in the movie, uh, Owen Wilson is this character who is just obsessed. He is driven. He is devoted to finding birds, and uh, to the point that it destroys his marriage. And and there's this one scene where his wife, uh, she has a very important doctor's appointment, and he has promised that he will be there. But this opportunity comes to go view this this rare bird, and he misses the appointment. And so when he sees her again, she says, I, I, it's over. I'm done with you. You know, we, we, the, our marriage is, is over. And, and Owen Wilson begs her to stay and says, but you, you don't understand. This, this is what I'm good at. This is, this is what I will be known for. Birding. <laughs> and I think what Paul would say is that you can be, there's a cat in the house. I just want y'all to know there's a cat in the house. I'm thankful it's not a black cat, but there's a cat in the house. All right. Um, I don't know if y'all have noticed, but there's a lot of cats around here. Have y'all noticed that? I don't know if that's intentional or what, but, um, okay. Well, any, okay. The, the, <laughs> the point is, is that here's the punchline that you would have got if the cat wouldn't have come and interrupted us is that, uh, is that I think what Paul would say is that if you're known for anything other than love, it's just birds, <laughs> You know, it's just birds. What is it that you want to be known for? And when we look at verse one, it's interesting. I think some people would say, I want to be known for my talents. You know, I want to be known for being gifted. Uh, Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. I mean, can you imagine uh, having the tongues of men? Now, some of you probably are bilingual. Uh, maybe multilingual, um, that to me is so cool. I mean, it's really, really cool. You know what you call somebody who can only speak one language? American. Yeah. Um, but I think that is so cool to have the, the tongues of men, but, but he said, he goes on and says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, I mean, can you imagine to be gifted so that you could speak with the heavenly beings and have their tongue? I mean, that, that's unbelievable. 
I mean, I, I, uh, every week I stand up in front of people and speak, believe it or not. And I do. And it blows my mind as well. Uh, you know, I got on an airplane to come and speak to you. That's crazy to me. You know, but, but I have this value of that gift. I, I don't know. You guys live in D.C. Um, do you guys know who Barry Black is? Uh, he's the, the chaplain for the Senate. Um, there's a church down in South Carolina, in Charleston, South Carolina. It's one of these big old cathedral Episcopal churches with the ascended pulpit, you know. And uh, and I've been able to preach in it. It's been really cool. But I was there for a missions conference, and Barry Black preached. And, oh, my goodness. I don't know if you, you guys have ever heard this man preach. But uh, he, he grew up in the hood in Baltimore. And he wrote a book called From the Hood to the Hill. And, I mean, it's unbelievable. And when this guy is preaching, it, it is as if um, it, it, there, at one minute, you know, he's chopping it up with you down here. And then the very next minute, he's taking you to the heights and you feel like you're in the presence of the glory, you know. I mean, it's, 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 it's almost like his voice is like, like sipping a nice glass of Merlot, <laughs> you know. I mean, and I look at that and go, wow, look at the gifts of this brother, you know. But Paul would say, you know, without love, it's nothing. You know, I mean, I would love, I'm a pastor, and so I, I get off on that kind of thing. And I just think about, you know, what, what would be the ultimate of, of pastors, you know, like the, 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 have, have this, this guy who's like the, the theology of John Stott. You know, the, the mind and creativity and intellect of, of our Pope, Tim Keller. And, uh, you know, and the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the preaching style of T.D. Jakes, you know, and the, the smile of Joel Olstein, you know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool? But, you know, the thing is, it's like you could have, you could be, you could have all of that talent. But without love, it's nothing. I mean, whatever field it is that you are in, whatever job it is that you have, whatever value it is, you know, that you would, you would say, man, if I had that talent, Paul would say without love, it's nothing. Some of you, it's not really so much about your giftedness. You would say more, you know, I, I want to be known for, for my, my, my level of, of insight, you know, because if you knew things, like if you, if you, if knowledge, you know, maybe intellect and knowledge is your deal, you know. Well, here's here here's what Paul says about that. Look in verse two. He says, "And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing." I mean, what if you had these prophetic powers that you you knew the truth? You know, you had deep understanding of the mysteries of the universe. I mean, wouldn't that, that, that would be really cool, right? Because you know what that would mean? Is you would be right. Oh, man. I mean, because isn't that really what we all want? I mean, we just, we want to be right. And come on, you can be honest, right? I mean, you, we will fight for our right to be right, right? You know? We're not in church. You can be honest. We're at a retreat. So, but really, I mean, really, right? I mean, you, you, we want to be right. I mean, we, you know, and, and you know, the thing is like, you can, you can be right politically. You can know who, who is, who, who Jesus voted for, for president. I mean, you, you could be right politically. You could, you could be right on taxes. You can be right on immigration. You can be right on offshore drilling. I mean, you can be right 
politically, but without love, Paul would say, you're nothing. It's nothing. I mean, you can be right socially. We can be, we can be right on abortion. We can be right on same-sex marriage. But without love, it's nothing. It's nothing. You, know, you, can, you, can, be, you can be right with your spouse, and, and we will fight to be right with our spouse. I can tell you as a pastor, oftentimes I'm in counseling sessions with married couples. And you know what? They're constantly, the whole conversation ends up them trying to convince me that they're right. <laughs> but you can be right. But without love, it's nothing. You can be right with your kids. But without love, it's nothing. It's, with, it's, it's nothing. Um, I love this story of Dr. King. Back in 1958, um, he was he was in a Harlem drugstore and he was he was signing uh, his autograph to to a, a book that he had written. And a lady comes in, a deranged lady comes in, and she says, "Are you Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King?" And he said, "I am." And she stabs him, and and she stabbed him with this letter opener with this razor sharp edge, and it went into his chest. And it took a couple hours. They rushed him to the hospital. took him a couple of hours uh, before they could get in to do surgery. And the doctor came out later and, and, and basically said that during those couple of hours, that th- that the tip of that letter opener was right on his aorta. And if, it, if he would have as much as sneezed, he would have drowned in his own blood. Well, ab- about four days later... He got a letter in the mail from a little girl or high school girl, White Plains, New York. And here's what she said. She said, Dear Dr. King, I'm a ninth grade student at White Plains High School. While it should not matter, I would like to mention to you that I'm a white girl. I read in the paper of your misfortune and of your suffering. And I read that if you had sneezed, you would have died. And I'm simply writing to say that I'm so happy that you didn't sneeze. <laughs> this is right. Th- this is love right here. And you know, you can be right all day long. You can have deep understandings and all the intellect in the world, but without love, it's nothing. Some of you would say, okay, well, it's not so much about my giftedness. I, it's not so much about what I know, but, but I want to be known as a self-sacrificing person, a person who is, is, does good and gives back. I, I want to be known for my deep level of commitment in my life. Well, here's what Paul says about that. Look in verse 3. He says, if I give away all I have. Now, how many of you have done that? How many of you are that committed? But I mean, what if that was the level of commitment you had? That you would just give away everything you have. If I give away all that I have. Oh, and if I deliver up my body to be burned. Now, who has done that? Now, I know in our midst we have some missionaries. Some people who have, who have given up years of their lives to go serve the Lord in foreign countries. You know? And he, he says, but, but I'm going to, you know what, I, I will sign up to go to the place where all of the Christians are persecuted. I will give up my body to be burned. He says, but if I do that and have not love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. 
You know, my church uh, is in a neighborhood. It's 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 the inner city of Boston. Uh, it's the place where the cabbies don't come, you know, that, that, that kind of thing, you know, uh, it, it is, it is broken. Uh, we hear gunshots from, from our, you know, from our house and it, it happens often. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you're, you're unwise to walk around at night, you know, unless you're a big guy like me and I, I, I don't care, but I have, I have Jesus. So even that, um, but, you know, it's the kind of place where uh, you, people who would move into that, you look at it and go, boy, they're committed. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, my church, we started our church with about 10 folks who weren't from the neighborhood, but who had moved in to the neighborhood. And you know what that means is, is like, you know, half of my church are people who are from the neighborhood and who grew up in the neighborhood. And we call them, they're, they're Dorchester by birth. And then we have probably the other half of who are, who are Dorchester by choice, you know, and it's really interesting to get them in, in a group together. Uh, but you know, those people who are Dorchester by choice, I call them do-gooders, you know, they are do-gooders, man. I mean, they, they are committed. You, it's unbelievable. Now I can't get them to pray, but they'll do stuff. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's the funny thing is, you know, we, we, uh, we, we call, we're going to, you know, we're going to go pick up trash in the park and there'll be 30 of them, you know, with their work gloves on and their, their, you know, their trash bags, but we call a prayer meeting and well, there's just not as many, let me say that. So, you know, it's just, it's really interesting. Uh, they, there's this great value that we have. Many of us in this room have. For, for being highly committed to things that we would say are valuable to the heart of God. And that is beautiful. And that is, that is awesome. But you know what? Let me tell you who the troublemakers are in the church every single time. Committed people. It's the committed people. You're the ones that drive the pastor crazy. <laughs> now we need you. <laughs> but you know what we need more than your level of commitment? We need your love. Yeah, because see, you can have, you can offer your body to be burned, but without love, it's nothing. It's nothing. Well, how do you become this kind of lover? <laughs> I mean, how is it? And we're going to, we're going to define it a little later this afternoon, a little bit more about what is this love. But, but I think a great question is, is how in the world do you become an amazing lover? Well, here's, here's the secret. It's not really a secret, but, but here's the thing is that to be an amazing lover, you have to have been loved by the amazing lover. Uh, May I say that again? To be an amazing lover, you have to have first been loved by the amazing lover. You see, we have an amazing lover in our God. He, He has sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and live this life that you and I should have lived, but we didn't. And die this death that we should have died. And he did that in our place. And do you know how you can know that God loves you? Is that he demonstrated his love towards you. That he doesn't just talk about it, but he did it. In that, you know that, that verse that sometimes in like the football games and stuff they have up on the, on the sign, you know, the John three sixteen. You know what it says? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, 
that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, maybe some of you have come here. You've, you've kind of found your way here this weekend. Uh, maybe a friend brought you, maybe you've felt love from this community of people and, and you're here and you're kind of checking out Christianity. Well, well, see the, here's, here's the difference uh, the difference is that that person that maybe you're with, that maybe you go, wow, there's something different about them. They, uh, maybe they know God in a way that I, I kind of wish I knew God. Well, I, I would bet that the difference is, is that they have actually had a personal encounter with the amazing lover. And my prayer for all of us, this weekend is that we would experience that same encounter that no matter where you're at, no matter where you're coming from, that you would experience this weekend, the love of the amazing lover. Uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, I'm going to end on this. Uh, he's a singer songwriter, uh, his music. Well, anyway, he's got a great story though. Um, he, uh, he had, He's got six kids uh, and uh, three biological kids and three little girls that uh, his family adopted from China. Um, they've got a great ministry called Show Hope. Uh, you should check it out um, if you're if you're interested in that, and you should be interested in it. Uh, but there was some tragedy a number of years ago, a few years ago, that happened in his family's life. Uh, he his 17 year old son at the time was driving the family SUV home and coming down the long driveway to their their house, and one of the little girls. Uh, who was four years old at the time, decided to run out and greet her brother. And she ran out in front of the car and was tragically uh, struck by the car. And as her, her body, you know, laid there, uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman ran out. And in the midst of the chaos, he scoops up his little girl and throws her in the car and uh, and they're 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 driving away, and he had the the amazing insight to think that you know if he wasn't careful that not only was he going to lose one child that day, but he was going to lose two children. I mean, because you can't you know I can't even imagine that seventeen year old boy of having to to live with that reality. You know that he drew, drove the car that struck his his sister and ended her life. And so as he was driving away, as they were driving away, he rolled down the window of the car and he grabbed his 17-year-old boy and he said, Will Franklin Chapman, don't you ever forget that your daddy loves you. You know, in the midst of the chaos and the fog of this tragedy, a dad could speak through that and say, Boy... No matter where you go, no matter whatever happens to you, your daddy loves you. Well, brothers and sisters, to be amazing lovers, we have got to hear that from our father, from our heavenly father. That that boy, girl, wherever you go, whatever you do, your daddy loves you. And he has shown us that through demonstrating his love towards us and that he sent his son to die for us. That really happened. And as Christ is on the cross, he is screaming about amazing love. And what I hope that we can do this weekend is we can fix our eyes on Jesus. 
that we we lock our our eyes that we turn our eyes from from all the craziness and chaos of our lives and we turn them and we fix them on Jesus because what we will see there as we do that brothers and sisters is we will see amazing love I'm reminded of that song. Will you sing this with me? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Jesus, we want to see you. Show us yourself. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.